Welcome to the CPA Success Podcast. I'm Blair Cook. And I'm Jen Nicholson. And today we are pleased to be joined by Pamela Steer, who is the Chief Financial Officer of Payments Canada. And as a member of the executive management team, Pamela has overall responsibility for the financial and corporate planning function of the organization. Pamela is also past chair of the CFA Society of Toronto, a member of the City of Toronto's Investment Board, and sits on the advisory board of the University of Waterloo School of Accounting and Finance. In addition, she was appointed to a Global Advisory Council for the Accounting for Sustainability Project under the Prince of Wales Charitable Foundation and is a founding member of the Canadian chapter of the A4S CFO Leadership Network. Also, and probably most notably, in 2019, Pamela was awarded the distinction and honor of being Canada's CFO of the year. Today, we're going to talk to Pamela Steer about your personal balance sheet. I'm really excited to see what she has to say. Let's get started. I'm excited to be here today with Pamela Steer, the CFO at Payments Canada. And more exciting, she is Canada's 2019 CFO of the Year. Thanks for being with us today, Pam. Pam or Pamela? Uh, You know, I respond to many worse things than either (laughs) of those, but thank you for asking. I actually do prefer Pamela. Excellent. Okay, that's great. So CFO of the Year. So tell me about how that happened. Uh, So... Really, it, it's, it's an award, it's a process, it's an absolutely huge honor, and I'm very humbled to receive it this year. But if you think about um, where I came from, I'm now at Payments Canada as of June. However, I was at the WSIB for the seven years previous to that. And what is a WSIB for people who don't know that acronym? Thank you. So Workplace Safety Insurance Board uh, does workplace compensation insurance and helps people who are injured or ill at work get uh, rehabilitated, get help, um, compensates them while they're off work if they've been injured and helps them get back at work and also ensures their employers. And so WSIB, so Workplace Safety Insurance Board, is for Ontario and each province and territory in Canada also has a similar agency. Right, exactly. Yes, I'm familiar with that. We're from Nova Scotia. We have that as well. So um, was it your time there that really transformed you and changed your practices so that you were considered to be a great candidate for the CFO of the year? I would say absolutely and and it's nothing like a catastrophe that really focuses the mind to accomplish amazing things and so the WSIB when I joined was uh, 14 billion dollars with a B Wow in deficit so really in a precarious position the Auditor General of Ontario had come out and said uh, WSIB, if you don't get your act in gear, uh, I'm going to take this debt and I'm going to consolidate it on the province's books. And that would have impacted the debt rating of the province. It would have cost more to borrow. We would have all ended up paying more taxes in the province and bad things would have happened. Now, why did you decide to go there when you knew that it was $14 billion in deficit? You like I'm- a challenge? <laughs> Well, absolutely. Um, It's a little more simple than that, but that was part of it. Uh, A really good dear friend of mine who was the CFO at the time was brought in on a mandate to change and turn the place around. And so he realized that I was actually leaving my, my previous employer. He said, Pamela, just come and help me for a few months. I need somebody senior that I can just hand stuff over to. 
and then go back out to the tech sector, which is where I came from, privately held. And I said, but, but Lawrence, I know nothing about insurance. I'm not a government person. He's like, yeah, me neither. We'll figure it out together. Um, fast forward a year after that, he said, Pamela, you know, could you keep the project stuff that you're doing, take over the, the finance roles, uh, so be my VP finance. I said, you know, I don't, I don't like financial reporting. I don't like quarterly reporting, but I love you, Lawrence, and I really am enjoying the mission of what WSIB can do and what we're accomplishing to change things for the better. Now, that's just to stop you there for a second. It's pretty interesting that the CFO of the year doesn't like financial reporting. Yes. Well, I don't like routine. So I like creativity. I love strategy. I love change. I like transformation. And I really enjoy operations. And so, in fact, half of my career has not been in finance. It's been in those more operational, customer-focused roles. And so after I took over that finance role that, you know, I loved the people, I loved the mission. So that was what was compelling. And working for Lawrence was great. And then he decided to leave and go to another role. And so I stepped up into the, the finance role and then eventually also took over half of the operations. So I took over the whole corporate side. So the $5 billion in revenues that we charged was my accountability as well. Wow. So uh, interesting because that goes, does go to show how diverse CPAs can be, how interesting their roles can be and how different they can be. And they're not necessarily financial reporting. Mm-hmm. It was so that that was part of the talk to this morning as well, in fact, is how the role of the financial professional and indeed the whole finance function has really evolved from a very hindsight focused place to one of providing insight and foresight for the organization. And so you could as easily be talking about the quarter as you could be talking about strategy, operations in the business, data analytics, risk. All of those different things are now easily encompassed in the role of the CFO or the role of the finance function at, at writ large. And how do people gain those skills uh, that are less traditionally finance focused? Is it something through their education? Um, are you looking at hiring different types of people, different backgrounds to, to get those skills? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, and I would say all of the above. I would say certainly educational programs like the universities are very focused on the roles of the future that we don't even know about yet. And so they're looking at different approaches and different content for teaching students. So as an example, problem-based learning is a relatively new concept that's being introduced at the universities just so that people can adapt and move more rather than being very rigid and focused. And then for professional development, there are a lot of courses now that are aimed at data analytics, at risk, at using big data. And in fact, WSIB had just embarked on a $90 million project to change the entire way that we assessed premiums for our employers who are our customers using risk and big data and using those analytics to really provide a more customized premium rate for each of those businesses. And indeed, at Payments Canada as well, we're very focused on a, a multi-hundred million dollar transformation project, upgrading all of our systems to be more relevant for, for the current world. Wow, so your role really has to be much more focused on what is going on in that uh, project, what is the, the risk that's involved in a, a project about risk, <laughs> uh, it, which is, we all know is very complicated sometimes, those projects, and they often don't go that well. 
Was that a big part of your role as well? Uh, I would see it that way. Certainly at WSIB, I was the lead sponsor of the transformation project that actually will really be launching this week with the announcement of the premium rates this week at WSIB. And at Payments Canada, I would see my role as absolutely getting involved to make sure not just from the, the finance perspective, we don't want to be over budget and we definitely want to be on time, but the the entire project comes to roost really in the finances. You see what's happening because you know where the money's being spent or are we spending too much now not getting enough for it or are we not spending and we expected this vendor to be farther along in the process. So you see really the, the whole gamut of what's happening and, and I believe we can add a lot of discipline and rigor and, and insight as we look at those measures in order to help projects move ahead. It's a great example of how, um, as, as you say, that finance has moved from the bowels of an organization or to be seen as a back office cost center only to a really valuable strategic partner for the organization. Absolutely, and that, that's absolutely how I see my role and I believe how my colleagues would hopefully view it as well. Uh, I think there's a lot of value that can be given back and forth. And for the CEO in particular, I believe the CFO role has really emerged as the trusted advisor where everything comes to roost. And so you can really help guide the CEO and the board to a large extent too in how they're, they're moving strategically. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it, it's interesting, and it makes it, the profession, I think, more interesting for new graduates as an option going forward because it is much broader than perhaps the, the bean counter of the olden days. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's those skills that we are now teaching our future professionals that will allow them to have much richer careers. You're not just slaving over a spreadsheet. You're actually adding value. You're doing the strategic layer. And that is, to me, what's very compelling about our profession and how it's changing in a very positive way. Yes, it's very positive. So what did you do at WSIB to transform that organization? Oh, there, there were many things, and I like to say, I, I like Dr. Seuss, and I, I like to think about the tall and the small at the same time. So there were absolutely big strategic things that we had to do. We revamped our entire financial reporting system right from our daily input right to our quarterly published financials. But also on the small or maybe not so small side was, was walking the talk and really talking about our values that we shared as an organization that would galvanize us to move together to make these changes. It's hard turning around a big, slow-moving, quasi-governmentally organized place. And so it involved culture shift as well as technology, as well as process, and really a, a, big, a big change but had to happen by increment was the focus not on process. I find government organizations are very focused on process and many of them are moving in a positive direction and that direction is focusing on outcomes and right-sizing the process to fit the outcome that you're trying to achieve. And when we were in a financial hole as big as $14 billion, that really focuses the mind. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and so uh, having a focus on our shared values and making sure that they were congruent right from the top, right through to the front line, making sure that I actually worked with and met with individually each of my 500 team members was really important to me. And um, ensuring that they also fed up what their 
values were to us to make sure that it was two way and everybody knew like absolutely you can email me every time I'm not the big scary dragon lady in the corner office that so you actually my... met with all 500 people yes absolutely it took uh, it took some time but uh, I absolutely did and it was very rewarding now at payments Canada I think the same principles apply it's a much smaller organization and so it's much easier to meet everybody and talk to them however where the 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 similarities lie is that importance of mission and that importance of values and seeing the values cascade both directions up and down through the organization to really focus on transforming that organization and transforming Canada's economy to make it more more competitive frankly to make it more user-friendly to improve the back offices of businesses in the banks across the country so what did you talk to those people about? Was it really reinforcing how important their role was, making sure they understood the mission and vision values? I would say it was a lot more basic than that. It was uh, usually lunch and finding out about them as people as well as about what made them tick, why they liked the WSIB or why they like Payments Canada. Having a more personal connection so that I wasn't the scary dragon lady, that, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm just a person too. One of the... One of the laughs I got this morning was I, I like to say no matter what I have accomplished or what I have to do and all of my obligations, I still have to go home and clean the kitty litter every day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My kitty's important. He doesn't like a dirty litter box. So, you know, that you still you're still a normal human being and I find when you have people like I talked to people who had been at WSMB for eleven a very long time and it used to be that only the VPs would be allowed in the CFO's office. And, you know, so-and-so would, would transmit this message up the chain to this person and this person. And there were many layers at WSIB. And only that person would ever go in the CFO's office. And so when I took over and when Lawrence took over, we had a pile of people say, oh, I've, I've never been up on this floor before. I didn't think that was allowed. Wow, that's amazing. But so, it's so okay. true, I think, of so many organizations. Yeah, having that personal connection really allows you to do things and creating a personal connection with trust and values at the foundation. You know, I like to say, and it's so true, things when they go well, developing trust and having communications is pretty good, but the proof is when everything goes to crap and you have a crisis that you have to, to go through together. And so, you know, we had a number of really challenging situations over the last number of years at WSIB and because we had developed that really good personal connection and they knew that I had their back it wasn't like I was going to stand out of the way when the bullets started flying I was trying to protect them and uh, doing gymnastics to do so so that actually made us get through any kind of crises and we were seen as absolutely the go-to place in our organization to get things done. So this sounds like a lot of what distinguishes you from other CFOs, but what do you think are your key characteristics that led to you having the honor of being awarded the CFO of the year? Uh, you know, I, I still can't actually believe that I won it in, in some respects. Uh, I would say that I do not want to hire people that are just like me. I want to know that there are other people in the room with other really interesting and valuable opinions and they're not shy to, to express them. Uh, and so I'm not the smartest person in the world room. I hire the smartest people around me and it makes us all look great. Absolutely. Uh, and so many people are afraid to do that. Yeah. And I found that to, to be really helpful. And everybody knew that I, I would, as we say, 
I can dish it, but I can take it too. And I was quite happy for people to dish it back. It actually was a, a sign for me that things were going well. Um, and to be not afraid, like just, we have to do stuff together and we'll only get it done if we do it together. So I, I would say that and just sheer pig-headed perseverance. <laughs> what is your philosophy of a great finance function? Again, I, I think those themes come along. Of course, there's some basic competencies that we need to have as financial professionals. There's no doubt about it. But there's a lot of room for a lot of different skills and abilities. And so hiring for fit, I can teach skills. I can't teach necessarily good values. And so having people that have a really good sense of mission and purpose and values that align that love a good intellectual debate that don't take that personally that you know we talk and i'm always happy to be proven wrong and change my way as a result of learning and i want to learn every day and so that i think has been really key to me and i believe that i mean i know that's why i went to payments canada i really felt that fit that sense of purpose that sense of mission very aligned values and a team that works really hard has a lot of really great competencies and also likes to have some fun which you know finance isn't always known as the fun place to be i i like I like having fun. We're at work a long time. A lot of us work a lot of hours, so why do it if you're not having a good time? Yeah, absolutely. No, fun is essential. How do you hire people that you know are going to fit? It's it's a hard thing sometimes to to measure. It is, absolutely. Um, it's those po probing, open-ended questions, those questions that, you know, there are some skill questions, and you can sense that quite quickly. You either know stuff or you don't know stuff or you're coachable or not or teachable or not. It's like I said before, you can teach skills. You can't necessarily teach values. And, and so getting at those real behavioral questions and open-ended questions that people hate, I hate often at, at an the interview. situational questions too. What would you do? Tell, tell me about this. a time when. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I do find them really effective though to get a sense of, of how am I going to get along with this person. And, and I was very fortunate at Payments Canada that I had the opportunity to meet a number of the team before joining on and, and I knew that it was absolutely the right place for me to go and, and that it was gonna be mutually really a great thing. And well, it has been that's great. Four, four months in. <laughs> so today you were talking about the idea of a personal balance sheet. So where does this come from? And what's involved in that? I would love to say that it was all my own idea. It absolutely wasn't like most great ideas. Uh, my communications team at my former employer and then absolutely amplified by, uh, by Payments Canada suggested, you know, Pamela, you do obviously a lot of planning and a lot of goal setting and you've been really successful. It would be great if you could share some of your, uh, some of your successes and what works for you with others. They'd love to hear it. And why don't you package that, think about it in a business sense, you know, something like a balance sheet. And that's where it came from. And so I, I thought about it. And actually, the analogy of a balance sheet really does lend itself to personal career planning and growth. And, and so the more I got into it, it absolutely reflects me and what I do but then just packages it in such a way that certainly financial professionals, sorry, um, can absolutely grab onto and, and make it work for them and they can use it as a tool. So what's involved in the balance sheet? I mean, you've got your typical 
assets, liabilities, and equity. What fits into those areas? Yeah, it absolutely, it works just like that with those three components. I would add on the top of it, and this is not in the balance sheet necessarily, but all good annual reports of organizations generally have a mission statement. And I like to say that, that people should have their own mission statement. I actually used a clip this morning from Simon Sinek, who's an organizational guru. Yeah, he's fantastic. Talks, he's fantastic. And he talks about your goal as a destination. Have a destination and you'll get the obstacles out of the way. And I just, I love that as a notion. And so I start with what's your personal mission? What's your destination? And then your assets. What, what assets do you have personally on your own balance sheet? And so that would be as financial professionals, we have designations, we have education, we also have as shared experiences, we have other attributes that are really known in the financial profession, discipline and rigor, attention to detail, professional skepticism, those dreaded modeling skills, which are so valuable and valued as commodities for other roles. And then, you know, taking your whole self, what differentiates you then from your colleagues sitting in that room this morning? What, what is your upbringing, your culture, your skills? Don't just bring your career, bring your whole self to, to the office. List out your assets and then just value them one to five. How important are they to you? How valuable are they? And, and of course, they're going to change over time and they morph. Some assets have more value to you over time, some less. And then it's all about totaling that up. The score doesn't matter. Just total her up and look at how you may grow those assets over time, long-term thinking. And then if you go to the dark side, <laughs> to the liabilities, uh, I prefer to think of those from a personal balance sheet perspective as your obligations and your objectives. So the things that you just, you got to do. You've got your Change objectives. the cat litter. Yeah, change the cat litter. That's where that joke came in. Um, there are things that you're, you just have to do for work, for home, for family, for your health, for your financial well-being. So again, list out all of those obligations and total them up. Value them one to five. Keep it simple. Total them up. Assets minus liabilities equals equity. So the result, it doesn't matter what the, the actual number is, like I said before, and for those earlier in their career, it could even be negative. It's, it's really irrelevant. It's about focusing, now I've got a baseline, and how do I measure every year over time about how I'm doing and where the goal is and, and how I'm progressing. And so if you see that trend line, as long as you're growing it, that's the important thing. But then in the balance sheet as well, in the equity section, for the personal balance sheet, and I, I'm an accountant, I can't help it, there's magic. I love the magic. <laughs> it's not the plug. No, it's the magic. It's the goodwill account. Oh, yes. And so, you know, in the personal balance sheet context, it's not just additive, but I think it can be a multiplier in getting yourself, you know, elevated in that equity section. And so goodwill in this context is your brand and your reach and your political capital and your thought leadership. And, I, you know, everybody starts from zero. We all start from the same place. But if you pick the things that you're passionate about and you start to blog about them, you start to reach out to your network, both in person and online, eventually you can get recognized as a thought leader. And that really amplifies your goodwill account. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah. So for me, I mean, there are some key things that have been really important to me. So leadership, diversity and inclusion, mental health in the workplace, 
uh, sustainability. And so I talk about those four topics quite regularly. And now, of course, I'll be learning more about payments and, and writing about that. And that has really helped amplify my career massively. And I think that's something that anybody can do. I certainly didn't start out as CFO of the year. It's kind of a culmination, but my journey's not over either. There's lots more ahead, I think, for me. So um, I really see the balance sheet as a way, you know, it, it's a cute tool, but it is a, a valid tool to think about, you know, what are my strengths? What are my assets? Okay, what have I got to do? Like I, ha I have these things that I need to do. And am I, am I growing the account in the right way? And how can I amplify the results that I'm looking for to get to that destination? That's a fantastic idea. Do you have this published anywhere? So Not yet. Do you do, yeah, it sounds like <laughs> a book to me. Do you uh, write then regularly? Are you blogging on LinkedIn? Are you out there sort of in the thought leadership space where we can follow you? Mm -hmm. Well, thanks. So I am on LinkedIn. I probably do not. Uh, I'm not great at Twitter. I'm on there, but not that great. I do like to do blogs. I don't do them as often as I would like. Um, and it depends on the topic. I would say on those four topics, I'm definitely I'm being considered a thought leader. And in fact, I'm hosting a conference on diversity and inclusion on Thursday. So um, those are really important topics for me, though. And I really believe in, in engaging and continuing to learn because a day without learning is just not a great day to me. So. Oh, that's great. Well, next for you, it sounds like might be CEO of the year. <laughs> uh, if only. Yeah, I love your thinking. You're right. You have to have <laughs> goals. Well, uh, very interesting, engaging, and honored to get to talk to you today. Thanks so much for being with us, Pamela. Thank you, Jen, for having a great day. <laughs>